Drive All Night is supported by listeners like you. To find out how you can help, please visit patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus. There you'll learn what exciting rewards we're offering for your support. Again, that's patreon.com slash songsoftoriamus to help us continue to make high-quality and Torytainment for you. Hey everybody, in honor of Tori Amos' 60th birthday, we're here to mix and mingle with our 60 favorite song girls, 60 for 60, to pay tribute to the greatest songwriter of all time, our favorite birthday baby, Tori Amos. I'm Ethan Jr. And I'm David Anderson. Happy birthday, baby. Hi, David. Hey, Eve. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Do you think by the end of this birthday celebration, there's going to be blood on our hands? Why? I'm asking because, as any Tory fan knows, putting together top favorite songs is a formidable task, and something's got to go. And each cut cuts like a knife, you might say. <laughs> so I feel like collaborating on this list was a difficult task. The 60th cut is the deepest. <laughs> exactly. No, I think that we created a great list, but I think that says something. We could never rank them. We're presenting this list of the greatest 60 Tori Amos songs unranked for the most part. Yes, they've joined arms to kind of red rover towards us. They refuse to be separated and pitted against one another. There's no blood in this cherry zone. They're all friends. Exactly. However, we will be presenting our top three at the end. Right. It'll get a little dirty. And it serves to note that these are our favorite songs. These aren't the best Tori Amos songs. Structurally, we didn't look at it that way. I looked at the 30 songs for myself that really meant something to me. David looked at the 30 songs that meant something to him. And then wherever we overlapped, we added other songs. Yeah. That's how I chose to approach this assignment. You left enough room for interpretation, which I appreciate. So, you know, a top 30, a top 10, whatever it is, objectively best Tory songs might look very different than this. But these are our personal favorites, right? Right, exactly. Because if you get an objective top greatest Tory Amos songs list, you're going to have Silent All These Years and Cornfleet Girl at the top. Right. And let's talk about this list that came out of The Guardian, written by Alexis Petritus, who I love his writing, so this is no shade. But I feel when he ranked the 20 greatest Tory Amos songs, I feel like he got it wrong. <laughs> you do. That's my opinion. <laughs> Well, that is absolutely the opinion that everyone else will have about our list, too, because very few people can ever agree on what the best songs are or what their favorite songs are, it's obviously. It's true. So sit back, enjoy, see if we pick some of your favorites as well. And please feel free to comment on our list. We want to hear your 60 favorite. It takes a long time to put it together, though. Even longer to talk about it. Yeah, and it's not as easy as it looks. We also have a contest today, David. Mm, what are we going to give away? For Tori's birthday, we're giving out the presents. Party favors. We have three gift packs for the first three people who send us their 60 favorite Tory songs ranked in order, and it has to be accurate. And we'll know if it's not. <laughs> you know how uh, diligent I can be. I'll cross-reference it with any other email you've ever sent, <laughs> episodes you've requested to be on, etc. Mm-hmm. 
Eve has a mind like a steel trap, and he's inhumanly patient. He will know. Thank you. For the first three people to send us their top 60 list to songsofteremus at gmail.com, you will receive a gift pack. There's three of them for Tori's birthday. Happy birthday, Tori. You win the prize. <laughs> you get the present. Shall we start? All right, I'm ready. Light the first candle. Is this our bi-coastal rain event? It is now. It's like Hands Across America, only songs. Songs Across America. with a banger you want a banger to begin yeah i'm gonna hit you with a banger a banger from 2007's american doll posse i'm gonna hit you with beauty of speed dang i put this song on when i want to drive when i'm going through the trees driving down the curves of sunset boulevard the hills it makes me want to go faster plus the structure of the song she's playing two pianos we think she's playing two pianos my favorite lyrical moment even still i was built to tolerate your temper a chore <laughs> it hits it hits it's for when you're fighting with your boyfriend you know and this is give us the doll this song belongs to clyde who a lot of people liken me to a clyde type so i'm wearing this as my anthem they do sometimes you know and i've always fought against it but you know today happy birthday i'm embracing it mm-hmm. that's funny because a lot of people compare me to a clydesdale and because your first song out of the gate was beauty of speed my first song out of the gate will similarly be horse themed and beauty themed because i'm going with beauty queen slash horses what an opener, what an opener for what an album. I love the instrumental break in the piano of this song. To me, that's really kind of the horses from winter, according to Tori. Diving off the cliff, hitting the ground, and taking us into the world of Pele. Couldn't be more perfect. The Leslie cabinet, everything. What do you think? 100%. Take me to the underworld, mama. Take me there. Done in one take with the Leslie cabinet spinning outside in the rain-drenched torrential downpour of the graveyard. Wonderful. Yeah, there's absolutely nothing wrong with this song. This is a perfect song. All of these songs are perfect. That's why they're on the list. Yeah. Similarly, I went to Boys for Pele also for this next song. However, this song didn't come out on Boys for Pele. This was released years later on the Boys for Pele remastered edition. This is To the Fair Motor Maids of Japan. This song took me a minute. There was some debate when this came out, whether it was an improv or a fully structured song, and now we've landed both on the side of a fully structured song, like this song was written. But it took years to come out, and everybody was clamoring for it. And by the time she eventually released it, it really satisfied. It really satisfied. Mm-hmm. I think this is the holy grail of Tory songs, in my opinion. I agree. It brings you back to that era you never thought you would get more from that era, which we love and hold so dear. And like a little surprise, we got a little more from that era. And it was amazing. 
that's kind of exactly where I was going with the Holy Grail. <laughs> when I drink from it, it makes me feel like I'm young forever or takes me to a different time. I'm back there eating in the back of the church. Oh my God. To be fair, that's where you always are. When I picture you frozen in time, you're always in the church with your hand running through your hair. Ah. Isn't it wild to think that a song that we would put in the top 60 might never have seen the light of day and stayed hidden in the vault forever? Oh my goodness. Yes. This is top tier. These are top tier Tory songs. She's written over 6,000 songs. Mm-hmm. Hit me. Well, I'm not trying to keep us sorted by era, but I was led. I'm going to let the songs lead me. How about that? Same. I like that. I'm going to go from the gut. I'm going to sit with myself, and when one extends her hand, I'm going to take it. And the next girl who has stepped forward is Blood Roses. A punk rock baroque masterpiece. This is one of the songs, we could probably say this about every Tory song, but with Blood Roses in particular, this just doesn't sound like anything else. You're so right. Not to mention it's a total crowd pleaser whenever she does it live, particularly 99, it'll always satisfy. It's got church bells, a vocal bridge where she's burning up, really is how it comes across to me, and a harpsichord fed through a Marshall amp to approximate an electric guitar. She was like, I don't need a guitar. What did she say about the instruments on this album? I'm talking about like the real cats from the 1700s. <laughs> but honestly, she took a harpsichord and made it punk rock, thrash harpsichord. Incredible. And you always need a song to put on when you want to scream. You want to scream and cry it out. This is the one. Yeah, but a lot of it is also good for cooking. Because like it's kind of, oh. the, the verses are kind of delicate too. You just put on your apron and kind of <laughs> spin around delicately throughout the kitchen. Blood roses. Yeah. A little chicken tartare. Mm-hmm. And then you really hit the bridge hard, like when your souffle collapses in the oven and you're really angry about it. Then you just start shrieking. Oh yeah, when the water's boiling over. Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, come on. Well, I'll see your blood roses, and I'm going to throw you back a Tom Bigby. A B-side from Scarlet's Walk, Scarlet's Hidden Treasures. You know why? Because she's angry in a whole different kind of way. This is a mature anger. This is an anger for our land. This is an anger for the slaughter of millions of Native Americans on this, our land. Not to mention, like a Wurlitzer banger. How often do you get a Whirly banger? A Whirly banger? Yeah. Not very often. Yeah. I ordered one at the bar the other day. They had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> a Whirly banger and mash. A Harvey Whirly banger. <laughs> On the heels of a whirly banger, I think we need to bring in a bluegrass harpsichord hoot nanny. What did we call it? Help me out here. Do you remember what we ended up calling Tallulah on the Tallulah episode? I don't. A bluegrass something. A harpsichord bluegrass folk clanger banger stompers. <laughs> something like that. That sounds about I don't know. right. <laughs> but I have so much love and affection for Tallulah. <laughs> It's a pop song, but it incorporates harpsichord. There's also the really wild percussive vocalizing with the he, the repeated he that I love throughout, and the self-satisfied yeah at the end. I love that the structure of the song tells the story or kind of is tied into the theme of learning to dance, right? With the kind of halting structure of it before she finally breaks loose at the end. Amazing. And I'll go team album version over team Tornado Mix any day and even further. I'm going to go team Eminem Mix. How about that? Whoa, you're a glitter girl. Always have been. I'm a tornado girl. Mm-hmm. I don't like to travel. When I want to get up and dance, you know what I put on? I don't put on Tallulah. I put on Cruel. 
this song changed everything. I think this particular track being second on From the Choir Girl Hotel really opened up a world of sound in Tori Amos' catalog. The first time she was with a band was this album, but this was the biggest song in the second track. So it just showed you that she could lead this sound. It really opened her up to a world of possibilities. And she can be cruel, darling. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. And she turned her love of potato chips into song craft mastery. Oh, she sure did. Eat those chips, girl. I'm jumping tracks and going abnormally attracted to sin with my next choice, Fast Horse. I love when Tori brings character through her vocal performance, and I think that's definitely the case here. I really love the organ, courtesy of our friend Phil Chanel. I'm actually moved by the chorus of the song. I find it galvanizing every time, and it's kind of a reminder that, like, you know what? You got it. You're enough. I agree. I think there is something rousing about this song. I also believe that she calls her iPhone a finger apple, and it'll never change my mind. <laughs> For my next track, I'm whizzing you forward to the future. Well, I guess now it's the past. I'm giving you 29 years from her latest album, Ocean to Ocean. There was so much to love about Ocean to Ocean. There is still so much to love about Ocean to Ocean, but 29 Years in particular is a reflection on her entire life's journey. It's a song that she needed 29 years to write. For that reason, it really resonates, I think, with a lot of the fans in that we've all been searching for something for the last 29 years since we discovered her music. So it hits home in that way. Plus the rhythms, the rhythms are incredible. This may seem shocking to you, but my sole Scarlet's Walk choice on my list was Carbon. Shut up! No, I won't. What a wonderful sense of momentum this song has. It really gives you that feeling of kind of sailing down a ski run, am I right? Yeah. And I think the buildup of Keep Your Eyes on Her Horizon, the melody of that is really beautiful. And then of course it has that show-stopping moment of get me Neil on the line. (laughs) No, I won't hold. No, I won't hold. (laughs) Like, okay, hang up then. What do you want me to do? He's not here. (laughs) Ma'am. I love that track. You gave me one Scarlet. I'm going to give you a second Scarlet. I'm giving Mm. you Gold Dust. In any ranked list, this might even be top 10, but we are not ranking them here today. Gold Dust is a snapshot of very important things that happened in her life leading up to this album, including the birth of Tosh and her marriage to Mark. I just think that this is a great mantra. I was here, and it helps you in the moment, if you think about it, to remember, to honor the place that you're at and the things that you're experiencing as huge moments in your life. I don't know, I think it's a really picture-perfect song. Pun intended. Gold dust. Do you have? Yes, of course I have. I have your photograph. Beneath my raincoat. <laughs> Plus a shout out to 1978 major motion picture at the eyes of Laura Mars. It has to be on the list. Before we continue, David, have we actually said happy birthday to Tori Amos? Happy birthday, girl. <laughs> happy birthday, baby. Can you believe 60 years? 60 years, most of it playing music. You know, I, I was taken aback the other day and I actually had to text a few people, including my own mother. My parents kind of consider Tori a family friend at this point. Not a, not really, but because she's been around for so long in, in our shared lives as like a, a supporting character, they sometimes ask about her. So I felt the need to text them that it was Tori's 60th birthday and mention that she was 29 
when I got her first album <laughs> to kind of oh my God. to kind of orient us all in time. And they were like, that is hard to believe. It is. <laughs> Gold dust sifting through our hands. Have you ever spent Tori's birthday with her? I have never spent Tori's birthday with her. I've never been to a birthday show that I can recall. But you have. You've been to numerous. I think two. To Venus and back. That's numerous. Yeah, that is numerous. It's numer me. Um, <laughs> 99, yeah, five and a half weeks her birthday. And then Unrepentant Geraldine's. And there's nothing better than Tori feigning surprise when they wheel out her birthday cake and sing. Like, she doesn't know what's going to happen. They're like, oh my God, I forgot it was my birthday. <laughs> oh my God, you, oh, guys. you guys. You're too much. Meanwhile, she's giving them the credit card to go purchase the cake right like the banner and all the balloons drop from party city yeah. as if she didn't like drive the van to go get the stuff earlier in the day right she's like giving them the color scheme make sure they're gold and black and white my favorite i said buttercream and make it thick <laughs> in the middle of like cutting the cake on stage is this buttercream <laughs> is this buttercream <laughs> through gritted teeth <laughs> I'm going with Suede from 1999's To Venus and Back. The production on this album is way better than it needs to be or has any right to be. And I say that because of the abbreviated timeline on which these songs were written, but not only recorded and produced. I think Suede is an incredible production feat. All the skittering insectile sounds in the background, the little sister bridge, it just gives me everything I want. It's kind of like a, an unexpected Depeche Mode moment from Tori. I recall in the episode for that song, you said it was the witchiest song she ever wrote. Yeah. Yeah, I like describing it that way. You're right, David. It's like creepy witchy. There's like a real kind of conjuring while she mentions conjuring. But yeah, there's this element of kind of like pulling down the power of the moon and spell there's casting. There's a real suede to it, you know? There's, there's, there's a real suede like, this song to is it. like a real suede you know what I mean? There's it's a very real... suede yeah. <laughs> anyway, this song is very on brand for me. Speaking of witchy, I'm going to give you one of my favorite conjuring songs, but I'm going to flip the word conjuring into a song, as opposed to conjuring, I'm going to give you a song that was just dropped in her lap. I'm giving you bells for her. Undo the lifeless and it goes a friend. On her nurse she gets out of time. This song from 1994's Under the Pink on a prepared piano prepared by Phil Chanel, you'll hear his name many times here, came to her in the middle of the night, right? Didn't she just wake up and do it? After they prepared the piano, it had been like brewing. But this song, this song ended up being a tour staple. This song has had many beautiful renditions, most notably on the harpsichord. And then with the band, it gives me everything. It gives me a sense of peace because you can't stop what's coming, can't stop what's on its way. And it's always important to remember that. That gives you peace? Yeah, you can't stop what's coming. So why fight against it? I suppose you're right. You just surrender. Whereas I feel like I'm being stalked. <laughs> 
I love that you said this song came to her into the night and she like wandered to the piano. I don't remember that specifically about bells for her, but I'm sure you're right. Whereas I always imagine her sitting down and recording bells for her with a stomach full of nachos or a stomach full of mm. chips anyway. And I say that because of the photo in the Under the Pink sheet music book. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where there's a picture of her sitting on the floor where they recorded the album eating chips and salsa. And like the caption actually yeah. says something like salsa before recording for the day. I think there's something about like the salsa that was good for her voice, but I like that that was her kind of performance preparation is like let me just finish this bag of tostitos before i uh hit record yeah under the pink was very uh very cleared sinuses yeah yeah i think she gives a special thanks to cilantro in the liner notes and hatch green chili all right i'm staying on the witchy vibe with bats from 2017's native invader shout out to pamela I have a hard time breaking up Bang, Climb, and Bats. There's something about that sequencing. I don't know if it's my favorite sequencing in Tori's entire catalog, but there's something about it that is so pleasing to me. And I also can't wait until 29 years from now, probably when we get to Bats on the show proper and do its episode on Drive All Night, because I'm not entirely sure why I like it so much. But there's something about it that's incredibly pleasing to me, incredibly atmospheric, and for me, it really conjures the feeling of fall. I love that you put that here. It's a song that's often overlooked. She's never played it live. No matter how much Pamela Thornburg has tried, she needs to play this live. I think it could be a really exciting witchy moment. I do too. I'm taking you back in time again. We're going with Hey Jupiter. Jupes. No one's picking up the phone. it's me. Whenever you need to cry, and I go with album version. I'm an album girl as opposed to Dakota girl, but Dakota version is amazing too. But this song was an important moment, I think, for her. She had a vision of John Lennon sitting on her bed. He sang her the melody. She got to keep the publishing as she joked. And, oh God, when we were doing our episode on this song and we kind of clued in or keyed into that this sounded like a busy signal that like, mm-hmm. she just can't get through to this person, it broke, like, I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me that until then, but I've never been able to hear the song any other way. And it just makes me feel so isolated and alone. And it's a song that when you're in that space, really helps you get through it. Yeah. Tori has a lot of harrowing telephone moments in her songs. It's like, no one's picking up the phone. No, I won't hold. Someone invent the telephone. Sometimes you find yourself crawling on your knees because that phone is not ringing. Yeah. And you know that it's slipping through your fingers and you know that you're just not going to be able to get through that wall. That's why you should always schedule a callback. It's just easier than trying to wait it out. Just text me first. Don't ever call me without texting me first. I'm going seasonal. I'm going seasonal. I'm going Christmas tide. What do you think about that? I'm going to hit you with Circle of Seasons from Tori's COVID holiday EP, Christmas Tide. Was that 2021? It was, right? I think it was Christmas 2020, wasn't it? Was it 2020? Oh, gosh. I legitimately might rank circle of seasons 
very high in my Tory ranking. I think it's really beautiful and I'm moved by the lyrics and by the piano. This to me could have come from way earlier in her career. It was kind of shocking to me um, how much I responded to this. I quite love it. I think it's wonderful. Not to mention a most coveted and valued return of the band. Oh yeah, of course. This is the first time she'd recorded with the band since 09, so mm -hmm. good on her. This kind of sits up there with Goldust in terms of the passage of time and kind of sense of loss and it has the warm melancholy of the holidays wrapped up in it too. I just think it's great. Pirouette with me. Spin, girl, spin. Anytime. The birthday dance is a pirouette, darling. Mm-hmm. I'll change. I'm going to roll with your theme of the passage of time and also keep it seasonal because I feel like our new year really hits those themes for me. The last song off of 2009's Midwinter Graces, and I think the best song off of that album. There's such deep nostalgia for me in this track. And a real hidden gem because it's a lot of people wouldn't necessarily pick up her seasonal record, but this is buried on there and it's beautiful. All right, I'm going to stay in this place with you so we don't get like whiplash, emotional whiplash kind of moving back and forth. So I'm going to go with The Beekeeper, the title track from 2005's The Beekeeper. staple of the live performances on this tour and I think this is her most successful experiment with the Hammond organ that was so prevalent on this uh, on this album. Again, the sense of loss and kind of bargaining with the beekeeper which is, you know, Tori's version of God or <laughs> higher power. I don't know. I agree. The live shows were all about this song. This song would go into the 10 minute zone on that tour and it was gut-wrenching. I think that because of the subject matter being about her mother when her mother had had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. It was really important to her, that tour, and always tuned in. Obviously deeply personal, and Tori has talked in the past how each line, each word in a song, she's kind of with it. And I feel like I felt like that was the case with The Beekeeper, for sure, live. That every night she mm -hmm. was kind of walking through and taking this journey, and every moment and every lyric was intentional. Wrap yourself around the tree of life. I'm going to keep it at The Beekeeper with you. You know, I'll meet you where you are, David. All right. From 2005's The Beekeeper, I chose Martha's Foolish Ginger. There's no song in her catalog quite like Martha's Foolish Ginger. This song is about a woman who gets on a boat and has a moment with a former flame where anything can happen, everything could just be completely destroyed in a blink of an eye, but she chose wisely. There's this like lilting sea vibe, and I know because I've been in a cruise now. <laughs> you didn't understand it before, but now you totally get Martha's Foolish Ginger. Yeah, that's what the sea sounds like. Plus, I've heard DJ Matteo Sagade's remix of this song, and it is phenomenal. Alright, well since we've taken it to the sea, I'm going with Liquid Diamonds from 1998's From the Choir Girl Hotel. Mm -hmm. 
I'm so glad this is on your list. You are? Yes. The structure of the song really flows like water. It's jazzy, it takes its time, it's a rare kind of fade in and fade out in Tori's catalog. I think this is one of her favorites too. And kind of like Bats, I think this one is often overlooked because it's not as showy as some of the other songs on Choir Girl, but I think it's a pivotal song. Yeah, it always has a way of showing up on tour, which makes me feel like she thinks it's as pivotal as we do. Mm -hmm. And I think we even had a clip of her from one of the sneak preview shows or some some show early in that tour where she said, this is one of my favorites. Liquid diamonds, which she does like her. <laughs> like, I'm such a cute little, like, Pillsbury Doughboy baby thing. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of cute little babies, I'm going to put Upside Down in the mix. first b-side technically if you chart chronology it's the first b-side in her catalog but it's also the first love song i ever had with somebody and it's a weird love song but my first boyfriend Dwayne and i it was our theme song upside down and it takes me back to a place of innocence it takes me back to a place of hopes and dreams even though it's talking about how to stay okay when the world is crumbling around you, which we need now more than ever, but that is still to me an innocent feeling that I can be okay when everything is not okay. Yeah. Just, it's about choosing to be happy. If I were gonna compile a list of top 60 lyrical moments, which is how this segment originally started, I would definitely include, I found the secret to life, I'm okay when everything is not okay. And we had a rousing debate on that episode, whether she reveals the secret or whether she doesn't reveal the secret. If the secret to life is to be okay when everything's not okay, which mm -hmm. is what you said, or if the secret remains unsaid, which is what I said, but now I've changed my mind. You've convinced me. You've gone back? Yeah, well, I've had a lot of things happen in my own life that made me realize the secret to life is to be okay when everything is not okay. Hmm. Thank you, David. Are you okay now? Yeah, I'm better than okay. <laughs> you don't have to get mad. All right, I'm not fully dried off yet from Liquid Diamonds. I'm like shaking my hair. <laughs> I'm not fully dried off yet. I'm still recovering from my soak in Liquid Diamonds. So my next song is Mary's of the Sea from The Beekeeper. Glad this song is on your list too. You are? Yes. You love it? Yes, I love this song. This is like actually the moment maybe when Tori marries the Marys as she'd been promising to do for many years at that point. I don't even think she knows that she's done it already because she keeps talking about doing it as if it hasn't happened. But I guess that's how you keep the spark in your relationship, right? Yeah, it's like constant marriage. Right, constant craving and constant marriage. I don't know why exactly, but there's something about the moment from I hear a voice and it says, the red of the red, there's something, everything, the way that Matt's drumming kind of winds around the piano and the way she delivers the vocal, there's something about it that is so pleasing to me. I just love it. Not to mention that when she put it on the piano box set, a piano from 2006, she included Back That Ass Up Now, mm -hmm. which is the intro jam. And it gave a little peek or a window into their recording process that they were just kind of vibing, letting the vibe take over. And only when they were ready did they start recording the song. And I believe got it in one take. Right. I like how she had to get herself to that place. Like if any song required her to conjure booty, obviously it's Mary's of the Sea. <laughs> Back that ass up. I can't now. just give you like a cold start. That would be wild. I have to I have to get to the booty place. For my next choice, because you're still soaked from the water, David, I'm letting you dry off in the sand and help me turn oysters. Hmm. From 2014's Unrepentant Geraldine. So can these shoes take me to who I was before? 
At this time period, oysters renewed my love for Tori Amos. The simplicity of the melody, but the beauty in the melody, and just the little tinkling of the oysters, turning oysters in the sand. And it really touches on a universal theme, which is like, how do I get back to that person that I used to be before life got in the way? Can these shoes take me back to who I was before? You know, I've lost myself somewhere along the way. And something about oysters is so remarkably honest, and I welcome it on every tour. Hmm. I agree with you. I think this is kind of a standout track from Unrepentant Geraldines that kind of defines that era. And kind of following on with your theme of getting back to oneself, I'm going to offer Climb from Native Invader. Climb over the church wall. You know, in the past when people, aka my mother, have described Tori's music as folky or folksy or folk music, I guess, I've always bristled and been like, what? That is not true. But if any song comes close to being kind of folk music, I think it's Climb. What do you think about that? Um, I, I hear why, but I don't agree. I don't, <laughs> and I'm not saying it is folk music, but if I was going to have to categorize one as coming close, but it's also kind of more hymn-like, I think. There's something that's kind of like a blender of like the influence of like Methodist hymns on Tori's music and maybe some of kind of like the 60s songs that she was listening to or that her brother introduced her to. I just kind of hear that all on Climb. Yeah, I hear what you're saying about like, especially the references to Koi in the Pond. That feels very 70s. It feels the bells in the beginning. There's something, yes, I do hear the folk about it. Mm-hmm. I think this song is deeply personal, but also kind of pulling from the past in an unexpected way compared to a lot of the other songs on Native Invader that seem more grounded in the present. I think it's kind of an oddity, but I love that it exists, period, and that it's included on this album. And again, the sequencing to me of Bang, Climb, and Bats is just perfection. It's so silly to say this with a person whose catalog is is brimming with honesty, but I think that this is honest in a way that she rarely is. There's something deeply personal about this song that we'll never understand. And that was displayed in Berlin 2023 when she did this song next to Smokey Joe, Icicle, and Amsterdam and climbed upon the bench for the first time. And it was revealing to see her kind of like go back in time in a way that you'd never really expected mm-hmm. physically. For my next number, I'm giving you a banger. I'm giving you Daytura from 1999's To Venus and Back. Datura was always the heartbeat of the album for me. It was always like the center point of the album because it's so long, it's kind of right in the middle. And I always understood that it was a feat of production, but until we did our episode on it and we listened in its entirety to Yanta's cover, which is very faithful to the original, I didn't realize how much production was in it and just what a feat it was it really transported me when we did that episode where'd you go i went to space (laughs) i went to venus and i haven't returned and we honestly haven't gotten back yet (laughs) we're close a little detour yeah we're close don't worry don't worry burning up on re-entry but yeah detour in a time signature that no one has ever done before or since i remember reading that on the quote tori invented her own time signature (laughs) she did it's like five ninths seven eighths Seven sixteenths, five nines. It's like it, something like that, but it's wild. It's also a testament to her experimentation at the time in the studio and her production at the time in the studio, which hasn't been like that since. And mm. I loved it. Okay, well, I'm hitting you back with Icicle.
which is not only kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from Datura in terms of production, given that it's just Tori and her piano, but to me it's also very closely linked to Climb. And it was so fascinating to me to hear, and you kind of talked about this, how she played Climb with Icicle on this last tour, because those songs are closely associated to me, and I have a lot to say about this song, which I'll probably save until we get to, you know, the Under the Pink episodes. I think there's a lot more than meets the eye with this song, and I love the intro on the album version that includes portion of for a thousand tongues to sing and i think the bridge is incredible and kind of the the crashing piano that comes in under i could have i should have this is an iconic tory moment and any list would be incomplete without it if she had to take out the fallboard slam from every song in her catalog i would beg for it to stay on icicle i didn't so and also take to this guy <laughs> and also you have a greater knowledge of the Christian faith than I do, especially mm-hmm. the music of the Christian faith. And that's why you can point out these things in the, like the intro for Icicle, which I didn't know. And I'm learning new things every day by being your friend. So thank you for doing this. Which is wild because she did like two notes from The Entertainer at the beginning from <laughs> Scott Joplin. And you were like, what's this I hear? <laughs> You're right. I love Scott Joplin. Uh-huh. Sue me. But... My favorite performance of Icicle is from Unplugged, where she does Onward Christian Soldiers, and she talks a little bit about how she composes songs with the hymns. I thought that was really fascinating. It was, but that's another moment where I don't like really quite hear the DNA or like when the switches flipped for her, kind of like when she's singing like, oh, way in a manger, Muhammad, my friend. I'm like, what? These songs (laughs) Uh don't sound the same. Uh (laughs) You know. Yeah. Just wailing in the back of the church at a children's nativity pageant. Speaking of wailing, I'm giving you Yes Anastasia from 1994's Under the Pink. I like that we're sort of in our Under the Pink era on this episode right now. This is our Under the Pink moment. This song is accompanied by a picture of Tori Amos, where she's supposedly hearing Phil Chanel's string arrangement for the first time, and she's in her kitchen or in her, in her dining room, and she's like dancing out the strings. And to me, that delight on her face, like of being understood by the strings, because famously, obviously, she deleted the string arrangements from the first composer, famously, as she talks about in her Peabody speech from 2019 or 20, somewhere in there. So to be understood by someone and just you can see the joy on her face. This song is a masterpiece. The song is epic. I can't wait to get to the remastered episode of this song. And if you're looking for a really incredible live performance, you want Do Drop In, 1996, Boulder. Love that performance. She's racing to the finish line on that performance. It was fast. I love the picture that you're referencing. To me, it inexplicably always seemed like she's doing like a flamenco snap. Like her <laughs> yeah. arm is up and then the other thing. Like, she's like, hey. <laughs> we'll see how ole you are. <laughs> you will see. <laughs> I love that you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's it. Yeah, she's like, ole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a rose in her teeth and he's like um the inspiration was prokofiev but i'm glad you like it is that how you say that <laughs> rachmaninov rachmaninov thank you all right just like tori herself i'm gonna keep marrying those marys i was wrong i think past the mission is maybe the first time she married the marys i don't believe i went to Uber. 
got Trent Reznor's backing vocals. I think the bridge with the oboe is such a beautiful kind of unexpected moment. I think the chorus is one of the most haunting things she's ever written. Perfection. Not to mention the video shot in Spain. A very powerful moment in her catalog of women banding together to fight oppression. Even if oppression is hot. Even if oppression looks like the sexiest priest you've ever seen, we still gotta step over him and fight. Don't be confused, she's saying. Don't be distracted by the hot man in the bell tower. Mm-hmm. We have the matriarchs here to flap our hands to remind you of what's important. She described living in New Mexico when she was writing this album, how to get to the place where she was recording is like you go past the mission, down by the Walmart, go past two mailboxes and take a right. And that's really how in the small towns of New Mexico you describe how to get somewhere. So when she linked that idea with the title of Past the Mission, it made me love it even more. I would do well in New Mexico because when people give me street names or like north or south, I have no idea. Just show me where the 7-Eleven is. I'm going to take you to 1998 for Black Dove from From the Choir Girl Hotel. The first time I heard this song, I have to tell you, it transported me. There's something so darkly fairy tale about it. You know, it's like the darkest grim fairy tale that you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. The padded Kurtzweil, there's just the pads on that those notes. I loved it. Happy birthday, girl. All right, I'm staying in 98 with IIE. What a wild, broken, fever dream of a song. And by broken, I mean like the structure of the song is broken. So experimental, so, again, wild. It doesn't sound like anything else. Kind of the, the chant or the wail to the sky of grief. This song grounds this whole era and this album for me. What do you think? I love that you say broken because the idea behind the echoplex, which is the instrument that's used in this song, is that a tape loop continues on and continues to get distorted the more it plays and more and more broken. And that's at the heart of this song and at the heart of this album, I agree. I love this track. I've heard her on numerous occasions. I've heard people say to her things like, could you sign it my lyrics book here on the IE page? And she subtly nudges them. Oh, I, I, E? Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, I, E. I, I, E? <laughs> you got to pronounce both eyes. By the same token, when people say, coming up next is Tori Amos, she's like, Amos? <laughs> I'm going to take you to a little song I call Birthday Baby. And it's not just because it's her birthday. I think she calls it that too. This song helped me through a tremendously difficult time in my life and for music from Tori Amos in 2021 to be hitting me as hard as music from 1991 says something about her honesty, it says something about her musicianship, her ability as a songwriter and I couldn't ignore this song. This song obviously is to her niece Kelsey about a breakup and kind of reframing that. Sometimes in life a girl must tango alone and there was something so powerful about that line when I heard it. It gave me a lot of strength, and I can't ignore that. And for that reason, I put it on my list. I'm going to stay in the ocean with you, and I'm going to give you Speaking with Trees, also from 2021's Ocean to Ocean.
As we mentioned before, Tori had kind of reunited with the band on the Christmas Tide EP, but for me, this is the song that's the celebration of their reunion, where she's like, yeah, we're back in step. It's so good to be back with you guys. This all kind of comes together in Speaking with Trees. It's a musical conversation, and maybe it's a conversation with trees too. Who can say? I think the chorus is so uplifting, and of course, the outro bridge of Feel Their Arms Around You. It's kind of an unexpected, uplifting way to approach difficult subject matter that's so much about grief and loss but there's also optimism and gratitude all woven in here there's something about it that just really lifts me up that i love i haven't enjoyed a lead single this much since honestly a sort of fairy tale really really like you said they wind around each other in such a way that it's a musical conversation and i was so excited to hear those drums to hear matt back it felt right Mm -hmm. and it's just a shame that she never performed this live agreed and now that you say that, I had to think about it, but you're right. I think this is the song that I've responded the most to in terms of a lead single since the sort of fairy tale as well. Isn't it wonderful that we can still have those moments 20 years on from that, which also seemed kind of far into her career at that point? Really? Yes. A controversial choice for my next one, I choose from Tales of a Librarian, Angels. With a wink and a smile, you toss your instructions on. This is a song from her Greatest Hits collection. I feel like it's incredibly overlooked. She doesn't perform it very often. But in 2017, she did an incredible performance of it, tuned in and loud and like hitting that lower register, you know, that we love. This song is about how the spirit of injustice will live forever in the body map of the land. And she never forgets. And she holds people accountable, and that's what I like about her. And that's what I like about angels. From modern Magdalene's to my DJ friends, Mm. they've always said you gotta watch your back. I encourage you to give this song another listen. I feel like you should write a housekeeping book with the title The Modern Magdalene. Oh, I would, actually. What a great idea. (laughs) Copyright. I don't want to startle you, but bang. Ah! (laughs) I'm giving you bang from Native Invader. You know what? I really love Native Invader. I'm here to tell you that I may listen to it more than some of her albums from the 90s. And like, obviously we've grown with Tori. She's been with us kind of longer than not, if that makes sense. Like Tori has been in my life longer than she has been absent from my life. I love that Tori's an artist that we've been able to grow with and has grown with us. And I like their songs and albums that I'm responding to at this point in my life um, and that are showing up just when I need them. And I love Bang. You know, people say, I would listen to Tori Amos read the phone book. Well, I would listen to Tori Amos read the periodic table of elements. And then she did. And we can. And she did. I love a list of plants. I love a list of elements. Give me a list of anything. When in doubt, read a list. Exactly. Tori's having a much deserved renaissance in her career, but not just as a nostalgic act. Because these last two albums, Native Invader and Ocean to Ocean, have been in the top tier of her catalog, you know, they are both really fantastic. Native Invader, not a single problem. Agreed. And the scope of the song is incredible. I really feel like she conjures the power of the universe. She does conjure the power of the universe in Bang, as she did when she conjured the rain in Precious Things from 1992's Little Earthquakes.
if we were ranking this, this would be in the top five. This would probably be a battle of trying to figure out where it lives. I think that this song is key, Tori Amos. I think it's a staple. It's always been a staple in all her tours. It has an incredible like heavy metal riff that she's transposed into a piano, really to show her skill, really to show her prowess, and also incredibly emotional with, of course, standout lyrical moments, such as, so you can make me come, that doesn't make you Jesus, which you just put on a shirt this year. I was gonna say, she's still putting it on t-shirts. What a timeless sentiment. Truly, it's about you don't own me just because you can bring me pleasure. But thank you for that. But thank you. Thank you for trying. <laughs> give it to me solo. Give it to me with the band. But my favorite versions are the 09 band versions where mm-hmm. she would like pull her hands off the piano for a brief moment. <sighs> and then just let the breathing. Because it was just too hot. Yeah. Ooh, these things are too precious. <laughs> okay, things are getting really serious now. But before they get too serious, I need to rinse off a little bit with metal water wood. I think the way that Tori has described the song, like I can almost hear it. That this one kind of fell from the sky and she had like a little bit of writer's block or was shelving the stuff that she had written before. And she communed with, you know, Bruce Lee. And he gave her this song and I can, I just feel it. That feels so right and so true to me. This is another song that I find to be galvanizing, uplifting. I love the melody of Pull the Horizon Down. It's wonderful. Another moment where I'm like, I can't believe that we're getting songs this good 30 years into her career. We don't deserve it. We do. Actually, (laughs) we've done the work. I've done nothing wrong. I'll take it. (laughs) When we were originally starting this episode as 60 favorite Tory lyrics, Be Like Water was one that I pulled from the most recent album because it is, it has everything that I need. You've got to be flexible. You've got, it is, I'm okay when everything is not okay. You've got to be like water. You've got to roll with it. You've got to move with it. And pulling that horizon down, letting your boat ebb and flow. I love everything about this song. Plus, she graced us with the song's presence on the Ocean to Ocean tour, and I thought it was great. I was holding my breath. I thought this and Speaking with Trees were never going to make an appearance. One for two. It is getting down to the wire, David, and I'm taking you to another Ocean to Ocean track. And here's this is saying something. When we have so many Ocean to Ocean songs on here, and that is her most recent album, and she's just never failed to make incredible music. And Addition of Light Divided, for me, is my choice here. a testament to joining forces and fighting the darkness addition of light divided and we all got tattoos of the symbol of this song and there's something about the community whether you're near or far you know that you're fighting the same battle with each other there's something about this song that's just so inspiring in that way it makes me want to fight the dark forces the forces of evil this could be the blue beetle theme song i'm so glad you have this on here i think it deserves to be on here for sure and i had even more appreciation for it after seeing it live another witchy track there's a real conjuring happening here and kind of a combining of our powers exactly combining of the forces yes to fight the darkness and again if an ungoogleable phrase addition of light divided sounds like something like putting the damage on sounds like something mm-hmm. but it's 
something she wrote and it, it just feels so familiar and warm and makes complete sense even though you've never heard it before. I love when you come across something that's ungoogleable. That's hard for me to say. Ungoogleable in Tory terms. Ungoogleable. She really like created a new phrase and a new time signature too, apparently. I know. If you have trouble saying ungoogleable, you could just say unbygeevesable. Ungoogleable. Unasjeevesable. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna hit you with zero point. Oh my god! Are we ready for zero point? I found out zero ground. I found out zero point. I found out zero Thank God. David made me take this off my list where it was number two. Okay, well, I didn't make anyone do anything. I think we were both pleased and tickled to find that there was overlap here, and we were trying to decide how to handle these moments. The only point of contention was you put it at number two overall on your personal list, right? Hell yeah, I did. Yeah, and I had it a little further down the bottom, but only because it got to a point where it became so difficult to sort of rank them that I just went chronological. It was because of this song that we decided not to do a full ranking because we were starting to argue. We didn't want things to get heated. Like, let's keep it civil. Yeah. I can't wait until we get to this episode on the show because I want to know what you have to say about it because I can't even really articulate what I love so much about it at this point. And it has nothing to do with the fact that it was held back for a piano and it kind of gained legendary status. I think it deserves all the praise that we are bound to heap upon it. I really do. And this kind of along with Bang, I think this goes along well with Bang in terms of for me, it really kind of gives me that sense of we're all we're all made of stars. We all have our place in the universe. We're everything, we're nothing. Our lives are minuscule and also the most important thing you could possibly imagine. What do you think? I think this falls into the category of list reading for me in terms of she's reading the list of periodic table of elements, she's reading the list of plants. To me, the end feels very much just like a long improv jam where she's just going off and that to me is what I love so much about it. I love that we have years of work to do before we get to zero point. Just like Oof. that mythology of that. You know, I don't mean years of episodes that we've got to do till we get there. I mean like the human race has years of work to do. I have years of work, personal work to do before I can achieve zero point. There's also a shout out to our friend Rue in there. So we'll talk about that when we get there. Can't wait. But because you gave me one of your big guns, David, I'm going to give you one of my big guns. I'm giving you 1998's Siren from the Great Expectations soundtrack. This song showed us what you could do with a band. This song is the bridge between Pele and Choir Girl. We talk about this a lot on the show, but there's always a bridge between eras. Between 94 and 96, there was a bridge. Between 96 and 98, Siren is the bridge. Between 99 and 2000, we're discovering there's a bridge. So this really showed us what she could do with the rhythms. 
It has all your classic themes. You've got your water siren theme, your pregnancy theme in here. It really feels deeply personal. And I'm so glad it's stuck around in the live shows all these years. It does feel deeply personal. And as you were talking, I was thinking that and also that it seems kind of equally inspired by her life, but also the film. And I'm not sure this song would exist, at least not the way it does without the movie. Yeah. Thank God for that. I know. That collaboration yielded a seminal Tory song that we might not have gotten otherwise. And also the phenomenal cover by Theta Hamill. Girl. I'm going to hit you with girl. Hey! From the shadow she calls And in the shadow she this is the point where we basically, at least I'll speak for myself, we're like, should I just like throw the entirety of Little Earthquakes on here? Right. <laughs> like they kind of, every song deserves to be on a top 60. Um, I don't think we quite ended up there, but I needed to include Girl for sure. Over the years, interestingly, I have grown closer to Girl, whereas I think a lot of other people have grown further away from Girl. Like she's, no. she served her purpose. Like I'm not at that point in my Name life them. anymore. Say their names. Lisa B. Danica Lamb. <laughs> they have become woman, and I have become more girlish and slim-hipped as I've gotten older. Oh. This song has been newly appreciated by Tori herself, but also Tori fans, although some have kind of grown away from it thematically, let's say. I think people really appreciate this song and its place on Little Earthquakes, where I think it kind of got lost before. And for what seemed like a long time, at that point, she never played it live until the end of Plugged, and ever since then, it's come around a lot more. But I think this is a really important song in Tori's career for this album in particular. I think that bridge, that was that first moment of the layered, intertwined voices that we got a couple times throughout Tori's career, something she really excels at. That's a magical moment. I just think it's perfection, and I love the arrangement on the Native Invader tour with kind of that really moody, extended instrumental she would do after the bridge. I love that. That's like one of my favorite Tory moments, period, and I wish we had an official boot of that. I give you Juarez from 1999's To Venus and Back. <laughs> Couldn't be... Musically, I think, more opposite than Girl. Girl, I agree with you, is a very important song for her. But Juarez, too. Juarez is built around three notes and takes the theme from To Venus and Back of the camera circling the heart and shows you that in order to have this incredible love, you have to have this incredible darkness. And it's such a feat of production. She really gets into the car. No list would be complete, I think, without Juarez. I'm coming in hot with Crucify, the first track from Tori's first album, Little Earthquakes. Every finger in the room is pointing at me. You know, I don't think Tori gets enough credit for how hooky she can be. She can write a hook. The chorus from Crucify is so catchy. And with a lyric like, got enough guilt to start my own religion, that stands as a thesis statement for a lot of Tori's work. Also, the first Tori song I ever heard that actually changed my life in the moment that I heard it. Might sound like hyperbole, but it's not. Obviously it changed your life. Look at you now. I know. <laughs> Look where you are. I haven't moved in the last 30 years or since the call game. Since the call game. Never going back. Not enough can be said about this song, truly. It's pointless to discuss it because we could never say enough about it. The importance of the song in her catalog, too. And we'd already talked about it for three hours, so... <laughs> A song that sometimes gets overlooked, sometimes by Tori herself even, is Alamo, a B-side from 1996's Boys for Pele. Um. 
somebody invent the telephone line. I'll take my chances. And another incredible lyric that I was going to put in my 60th best lyrics, don't think I'll be going as fast as I came. This song speaks of heartbreak. This song speaks of loss and the almost frozen inability to move on. Mm. Plus, it's meandering in a way that 1996 Tori allowed herself to be. It didn't necessarily have to have a hook or have to have a structure, an apparent structure. Maybe there was a little bit of her rebellious spirit against the record executives that were coming in trying to demand hooks and guitars and cars and guitars that she, I think, was really letting herself be honest and very subversive musically. So I love Alamo. I think it has all that. Winter. I love that the rest of your list is just Little Earthquake. It's just which is so (laughs) which is so funny because that's not my favorite album, but I think these songs are so important that they need to be included. Even if at this point in my life they're not songs that I go to all the time, I think Winter needs to be on well certainly a top sixty list. Ridiculous. Tori has said that this song has continued to shift for her over time and the images that come to her as she plays it have changed and i think that's true for me too and this is such an important song in tori's catalog gotta be up there with the top choruses that she's written in the bridge with the strings hair is gray eve and the fires are burning my god i could start crying right now um i think this would be appropriate last song ever for tori to perform if she was gonna call you know, stop quote, it i know you don't like it but we have to start why are you gonna say things like but that but you know what the good thing is we'll probably not know when that's happening and even if we do know it's the last show she'll close with like strong black vine or something mind-boggling we'll be like okay <laughs> we'll just shuffle out after like 45 years like what just happened and she'll end with teenage hustling or strong black vine okay wonderful i love it yeah. i love it I'll give you a song from 2011's Night of Hunters. I think the only appearance on this list from both of us, this is Shattering Sea. My God, I was in Scotland when I heard this song because I was at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and the song had leaked. I played it for 48 hours nonstop, no joke. I just didn't listen to anything else. The rhythm that she created, the just like broken glass that I could hear shattering on the floor, the (laughs) end of a relationship, everything about it. Plus being so close to the castles and just being sort of in that environment when I heard this. I love this song. I now associate the song with Tanya Rigotti who's requested it so many times since the Night of Hunters tour, but this song, Oh my God, so good. That is not my blood on the bedroom floor. That is not my blood. What, is, what happens is when not Tanya... Not my re- blood. What happens when Tanya requests it? What does Tori... How does Tori respond? I can't speak to that. I don't know. I'm not there when Tori reads the letters. I don't know if she'd ever asked in person and gotten like a shirt shirt oh, and she like a, a pat on the hand. Like I can, I can figure that out. Sure. For all those answers and more, David, you'll have to listen to Tanya Rigotti's episode of the people that go to the shows on the tour all night feed. All right. Well, in the meantime, I'm glad that Night of Hunters is represented on this list because it deserves to be. And I considered including Edge of the Moon. So I'm glad you went with Shattering Sea. I'm going to give you Sister Janet. (laughs) 
another song I'm not entirely sure what it's about and I'm eager to discuss it with you when the time comes there's an element of seance here but I just think it's so beautiful and this is from the under the pink moment when everything was kind of pristine and beautiful and I love the recording of this song I love that you can hear kind of the piano creaking there's something so intimate about it it's a vibe it's a mood with the demon and an Englishman, I'm I give you curtain call. Very few songs can pull me the way curtain call pulls me into a deep, deep despair. <laughs> Looking back on your life and taking a bow. And I should have brought this up when you said, you know, winter could be the last song ever. I think Curtain Call could be one of the final songs no. ever. No. Why? <laughs> that would be usually like despair. That's not the note I want to go out on. Well, fine. This is not business. No. It's more like spiritual. <laughs> you get me? I got it. Plus, it's honest about women in the industry, you know, and, and what it takes to make it and yeah. how people are so ready to just say you don't have it anymore. Well, there were days I didn't have it then, but there were days I did. Sometimes all you get's good. How would you feel if she updated the references throughout the years to like, by the time you're 85, I must come <laughs> five. You will have blown them all. Mm. Plus being able to say you will have blown them all, but make it sound like you will have blown their minds. That's what she means. Don't make it dirty. I'm really obfuscating it. A great skill that Tori Amos has. Obfuscate. She doesn't say give me peace, love, and hard cock. <laughs> she says give me peace, love, and hard kink. Yeah, she really hides it when she needs to. Yeah. That, my friends, is a Methodist minister daughter training. <laughs> Can't wait until we finish this countdown and we can slice into her birthday. Kink. 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 <laughs> All right, next is silent all these years. I will be silent no longer. I'm going to be screaming with enthusiasm for silent all these years, and it's deserved spot on this list. Excuse me, but can I be you for a while? My dog won't bite if you sit real still. This song has stood the test of time. I think when people hear this song now, they would have a difficult time placing it in time, meaning like what decade did the song come from? Um, and I think people respond to it. And by people, I mean me. I think the bridge is incredible, so moving. And Tori has described the song as kind of the one that came first and guided the rest of the songs across the river sticks, so to speak. I think that's still happening. I think Silent All These Years opened the portal and songs like Metal Water Wood are still walking through because of her. So thanks Silent All These Years. One of those songs that I think came from Silent All These Years is 2017's Reindeer King. This to me feels as important as Silent All These Years, just sort of someone singing from a more mature place. This to me has echoes of loss. This to me has echoes of bargaining with whatever entity you need to bargain with in order to save someone. There's something so pure about this song and I'm just lucky I got to hear it every night that tour. Almost every night that tour. You are lucky. I was going to say, I only got to hear it once. <laughs> By the time I hit my tour dates, it had dropped off. And I was like, am I going to make it through the Native and Banner tour never hearing Reindeer King? Okay. I love the way you described bargaining. I think that is so right on. And I was going to say there's kind of an element of ritual and ceremony here too. 
She should have sold reindeer king hats. Like with antlers? Yeah, little fuzzy antlers. Mm -hmm, But they also held beer cans with a straw. But they were not beer can size. They were white claw size. Reindeer king? Reindeer king? Reindeer king? (laughs) All right, this is getting difficult. Space dog, also from under the pink. This is also a song that I have grown closer to and I have more appreciation for as the years go on. The Deck the Halls moment is one of my favorite moments in Tori's catalog. It is a stunningly beautiful moment that is so unexpected in the way it kind of weaves in and out of the rhythm of this song in the verses. There's such yearning here in this entire song. I just think it's wonderful and it's in my top 10 for sure. This is one of my OG favorite Tori songs as well and I think it sits in my top 10 permanently too, so... My next track, I give you Smokey Joe from 2007's American Doll Posse. For all the reasons that you talked about loving suede, I love Smokey Joe. There is a conjuring happening. I think it's so witchy. There's the layer of the dual lyrics, you know, happening. It's like a duet. And it's a song that I don't know very much about. It's a song that uh, really surprised me to hear at the end of that album, because it comes towards the end of that album, that it was so dark. It's really a special track that I think gets overlooked a lot. Murder Ballad. Murder Ballad, absolutely. Blood Folk. One of Tori's favorites, too, which she only said sort of recently, so. Hey, if she likes it, it's her birthday. We'll give it to her. <laughs> it's your day. You get what you want. You want more chips? Okay, fine. We'll get that. Be right back. You want more Joe? Keep it smoky. All right. Little Earthquakes, the title track from Little Earthquakes. I don't know. If I had to choose, don't make me choose. If I had to choose one lyrical moment to encapsulate Tori's entire career and body of work, I think it might be give me life, give me pain, give me myself again. Why? Because I think that speaks to the intention of Tori's work, like confronting one's pain and moving through wounds to achieve healing. Oh yeah. Well said. For my next choice, I choose Little Amsterdam from 1996, Boys for Pele. Don't take me This to me is a feat of songwriting in a way that Tori rarely does. You can almost always say that every song is deeply, deeply personal. Little Amsterdam, I agree with that as well, but it's third person narrative. It's talking about, I don't know who, I don't know where she came up with this story, but there's a story that doesn't seem like she's pulling from her own experience. Maybe like her own emotional experience and putting herself into those characters, but there are characters here in a way that they're not always characters. You get what I'm saying? I do, and I'm really glad that you included this here. I considered it myself, and I think Little Amsterdam deserves to be on the list for sure. And to your point, she really sort of treads the deeply personal with storytelling in a way that I'm not sure she's ever experimented with before. And it's clear that this song means something means something to her, and she holds it very close, but I'm not exactly sure what that thing is. We did our best to get to it on the Little Amsterdam episode, but I think there's a lot going on here. And I think it's no coincidence that, as you pointed out, she paired this alongside Icicle and Climb, and was it Smokey Joe, too? Yeah. Threads of violence here. Plus, it gave one of the greatest people I've ever known their screen name. You are my fifth Av. I'm going to give you Mother.
mother has arrived and I it breaks my heart and I'm clutching my heart right now every time people rank the songs from Little Earthquakes people usually kick mother out first and this is for me not only the best song on the album but one of the best songs period in her body of work and this is within my top five for sure it has the power to move me every single time I hear it the extended instrumental intro is astounding I've already said everything I have to say about it on the episode, but I my heart breaks for this song every time I feel that she's so easily dismissed. Can't take it. Top five. Hearing you talk about this on the episode made me love it so much more, and I do love it. I think it's lyrically genius. I think that it's uh, very evocative musically as well. So justice for mother. Justice for all mothers. Being a mother is the hardest job in the world. You go, girl. We're here with our top three now. We each have three left, and we're going to do our last three in ascending order. Number three for me, Donut Song. Hand me a trick and a kick and your massage. You'll never gain weight from a donut it's not always here in the top three, but today it is, and it really hits hard. The very last song for Boys for Pele, the very last song included for Boys for Pele, I find this song to be the center of what Boys for Pele was about, so it surprises me that she didn't include it to the end. You know, you, in every breakup, there's a messy moment. You know, whatever messy means to you, but here, usually it's, you know, there's tears involved, and you can tell me it's over, over your shoulder. Come in Houston, there's a problem. That breakup breakdown, the song leaves me covered in a sticky glaze of despair every time I hear it. All right, this was rough. Even as I was putting this list together, I was like swapping number two and three back and forth, back and forth. <sighs> but the way we landed today is with Cotolite Sneeze at number three. This is another song that I don't think sounds like anything else that anyone has ever written. It's industrial and Baroque at the same time. I don't know that anyone else has utilized a harpsichord in quite this way. There's something very insectile about it to me. It crawls up your spine and tickles the back of your neck. I love it. I love the lyric. It's so unexpected. Everything else about Boys for Pele is very acoustic, obviously, and here we have this programmed industrial beat. Nothing else like it. Top three. You know, there's this little silver string that's running off this planet somewhere else coming down and it comes down through the little red head and it's going <laughs> right through here and right through there and into the ground. This moment on the album is pure magic and has never been matched live for me. She really captured perfection in the studio. I think Cotolite's Knees is an absolutely perfect song. For my number two, I chose Spring Haze, another perfect song. Well, I know it's just a spring but I don't much like the look of it. The way the song billows out to somewhere, it advances, it retreats, it advances, it retreats, and finally we are left with why does it always end up like this, which is a sentiment I think we can all identify with. This song to me is a standout track from Tavina Simbach, and I could hear it every single day, and I would never get tired of it. Mm. And you probably have. And I do. All right, number two, Pretty Good Year. Don't wanna be a boy today. 
I am not ashamed to admit that there are moments to this day when I'm listening to it, most often in my car, when I'll hear the first minute of this song, or maybe even just like the initial instrumental intro, and I'll hit backwards and hear it again and just listen to it over and over. I think it is absolutely unbelievable that this song has the power to move me the same way that it did almost 30 years ago. And there are just kind of distinct moments where I'm like, what? How did she achieve that? This is so gorgeous. This is so unbelievable. I kind of can't believe that this song exists. The string section, the unexpected grunge moment, it's just kind of like, what? What is this? How do I exist in a time and place where this song also exists? I'm actually like really <laughs> grateful for that. Pretty good year. Frankly, I'm surprised to see it so low on your list. <laughs> Number two? Yeah. <laughs> um, what you said earlier about Silent All These Years sort of ushering in the other song, she did say that specifically about Under the Pink. And what that means to her, we'll never really know. But the way I take it is that she's perhaps experimenting with variations on Silent All These Years, you know, altering the melody, altering the rhythm. And I believe that that's how Pretty Good Year came about. So it hits right there. It's like a standout staple of Tori Amos song. That had never occurred to me until you offered that as a possibility on the silent episode, and I could totally hear it after that. I'm like, I think you're right. You think I'm what? Right. It's just nice to hear every once in a while. <laughs> for my number one song, and I knew I was going to end up having to let you go last for our number ones, but my number one song is a little song from 1998. It's from the Quargo Hotel called Hotel. Hotel. God damn it. This song, <laughs> I think about this song every day of my life. This song has been with me through good times, bad times. This song is a banger. This song is a wailer. This song is anything you need this song to be. The time signatures, the instrumentation, the soaring vocal performance, the soaring absolute pop sensation vocal performance. Meanwhile, also living in an industrial motorcade of vocals. I can't, I can't love this song enough. There's not enough of me to love this song the way she needs to be loved. So we have to let it be with people. We have to let other people have it. Plus, she played it solo in 2005 at my request. It was mine. There's not enough you to love this song the way that it deserves to be loved. Is that what you said? Yeah, this song is huge. This song is bigger than all of us. This song is bigger than humanity. Do you understand? This song, give me more. There will never be enough. This song lives in a place where you can never have enough. You never are satisfied. You will always have to listen to it again. Give me more. Every single time, it's just you need more. I do understand, and I'm utterly delighted by the way that you managed to articulate that. <laughs> This song deserves everything, and I cannot do it justice. I can't love it enough. There's not enough of me. Love the front of me, honey. There's a lot of me, but it's not enough. What's your number one? I think I feel the same way about my number one, Father Lucifer. And you know what? I tried to get out in front of it. I volunteered to go twice in a row that, so Eve could go last, and he declined. So I just want that to be clear. <laughs> it wasn't my intention to end our ranking with my number one. But nevertheless, what? Here I am, Migo? Oh, okay, thanks. Um, number one, Father Lucifer, Boys for Pele. Father Lucifer, you never 
I feel similarly. There's not enough me to love the song the way that it deserves to be loved or to have it described, explained the way that it deserves. So maybe we shouldn't just even try and let the song speak for itself. No, let's talk about it for three hours. <laughs> The layered bridge is something that defies logic, explanation, language, gravity. I think it is a moment of such stunning beauty and kind of a kaleidoscopic explosion where I feel like I simultaneously exist in the past, present, and the future all at the same time. Mm -hmm. I love the restraint of the production. Like there's so much going on here, but it all blends together to seem kind of effortless and so subtle with the bass and the guitar on the chorus. Um, I love, love, love the trumpet and kind of the fanfare moment in the bridge. And the second time it occurs, it sort of degrades a little bit. I, I don't know how to describe it. It's like not quite as triumphant as it is the first time. It just fills me with so much melancholy and I don't know, I can't conjure up all the emotions. So just help. Where have you been all my life, Father Lucifer? Have you been hiding in a hot dog? Have you seen um, that TikTok video? Of course, you have that circulating now with a woman doing marvelous Tory impressions. Andy, yes, Andy, yes. she's amazing. Mm -hmm. And she sings, Lucifer's your grandpa now. <laughs> Everybody yeah. knows that. <laughs> Nosferatu, buckle, buckle my, my shoe. shoe. Yep, those are my two favorites. <laughs> she's amazing. Happy birthday to Tori Amos. We knew this list wouldn't be complete without two of Tori Amos's greatest hits of all time. So we decided to include them as bonus numbers. My bonus song is A Sort of Fairy Tale, which was a phenomenal moment in Tori's career at the beginning of the 2000s to have 10 years after her career began to have one of her greatest hits surface. And there's a New Mexico shout out in there, which I love. A Sort of Fairy Tale breaks my heart, loss and things that you thought were gonna be, but maybe didn't work out the way you thought they were going to be, but you can still hold on to them in that way, in a nostalgic and respectful and loving way. And yeah, some of my favorite versions of this song are the radio versions from the little promo tour when this album came out because it, that's so heartbreaking. It's so fucking sad. And for a sad song like this to really take radio by storm, alternative radio, good for her. And of course, our list would not be complete if it didn't include Cornflake Girl. A lot of us end up taking this song for granted just because it's been around for so long. It's a staple of live performances, but it really is astounding. And it's wild that there was a point in time where the alternative radio scene had room for this song and it became a hit because it's so weird, for lack of a better way to put it. Not only the lyrics, but the way it starts and stops. And at one point, the music completely drops out and there's just that kind of acapella moment. I'm like, what What world did we exist in where people heard this on the radio and were like, yeah, this is awesome. It is, but I guess I don't give people enough credit. No need. They get too much credit, people. Mm -hmm. She's been described as playing the piano like a drunken sailor during the later portion of the song. And I think when it was described to her that way, she was like, you're right. I like that. Iconic. Yeah, I think iconic is a great word for this song. And I'm shocked that we didn't use that word more often in this episode. But you know what? We saved it for, for Cornflake Girl. And I think that's where it belongs. A song so nice, they made a video for it twice. That's our list of the 60 greatest Tori Amos songs, plus two bonus tracks. You can find full episodes for a lot of these songs on our feed, on our public feed that you found this episode on. Just scroll back in time. There's other stuff you can also find on our Patreon feed if you want to support us, patreon.com slash songs of Tori Amos. 
We also have profiles at Songs of Tori Amos on Instagram and X. Email us, songsoftoryamos at gmail.com. Call our voicemail, 323-296-9955. Go to songsoftoryamos.com to sign up for our newsletter. What else can they do, David? Give them your address. Go to your house. <laughs> send me a telegram, singing. If you were going to send me a singing telegram, what would it say? What would the song be? I think it would be Thank You. Oh, like by Alanis Morissette? <laughs> <laughs> no, by Led Zeppelin. Or maybe a mashup. Oh, okay. If I were going to send you a singing telegram, it would be pretty good year, but in the style of Bette Midler as the rabbit. Wow. Tears on the sleeve of a man. Don't want to be a boy today. Can you put that prompt into AI somewhere and see what happens? God, I wish. To hear Tori Amos songs in the key of Bette Midler. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bathhouse Betty. Bathhouse Tori. Out of Von Titzling. Is that his name? <laughs> Tori Von Titzling. <laughs> oh, industry. Whatever will become of me. Thank you for doing this with me, David, and we'll talk again soon, yeah? We sure will. We hope you enjoyed our 60 Greatest Tori Amos Songs, and we want to hear your list as well. Don't forget, we have a contest for the first three people who email us their top 60 songs to our email, songsoftoriamos at gmail.com, ranked in order. With footnotes and long explanations for why you're ranking Uh, them as you have. Well, not necessarily that, but yes. And still more good news. This episode is accompanied by a playlist on our Spotify. Find us on Spotify at the Sideways Society for the 60 Greatest Tori Amos Songs playlist. Bye. Bye.
Drive All Night is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned in this episode, please visit us online at songsoftoryamus.com.